Dr. John Cuddeback is a professor of philosophy at Christendom College in Virginia. Dr. Cuddeback is talking to us about the man of the household. Is there a philosophy behind being a man? What does family mean? How should family be spending their leisure time? Dr. Cuddeback is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. So we have Dr. John Cuddeback as a professor at Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. He is the author of True Friendship, Where Virtue Becomes Happiness, and runs the blog LifeCraft.org, where he offers free online courses concerning the man of the household and woman of the household. Most importantly, Dr. Cuddeback is a husband and father. He is here today to discuss his course on the man of the household and how the household is especially where a man is called to live his vocation as a man. Dr. Cuddeback is calling to us, um, I believe, from Virginia. So, Dr. John, how are you? I'm, I'm great. And yes, indeed, I am in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia and a cool spring breeze blowing in the window as I look out at the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> well... Welcome here, here, here in uh, Hayes, Kansas. Uh, we have a lot of fields, and so there you go. You know, a lot. But nonetheless, uh, really excited for you to come on and talk to us about this again. The talk, folks, man of the household. And so, Doctor John, I will, I will start with this question for you. Let's go ahead and first define terms. What would you consider a household to be, or, or what a household is? Well, uh, you know that that really is, in, in in many ways, the key. And I'd say just to give you a little bit of the the backstory, you know, I've spent a lot of my professional life studying the ancients, as well as great medievals. So St. Thomas Aquinas is, is certainly my, my main intellectual patron in philosophy, but, you know, he especially went back to Aristotle, and so uh, we follow him in that. Aristotle has a bit to say about human nature in the basic forms of human life, and he has a bit to say about the household. And one thing that really struck me early on in examining this is how well, it might seem that, well, since the household is natural, we would you know, still obviously have it fundamentally as he did then. And what became apparent to me is household and family, while very uh, closely related to one another, are not the exact same thing. And so I'm going to go to how Aristotle talks about it. He calls the household a natural community of daily life, especially focusing on where the daily needs of human persons are met. And the more you look at what he meant by that, is it, in part to really see it, we have to understand how really through almost all of history, what's being called the household, was lived in a very different way than we live it now. The last, call it 100, 150, depending on where, where one lives, what part of the world, what part of the country even, families lived in a community, I mean, not, I don't mean the, the broader community, the village, the family itself was much more rich a community than it is now. The house that they lived in was much more of a home with many things going on each day. For instance, one of the biggest aspects of the traditional household in which a family 
lives is that basic aspects of the daily needs, especially the bodily needs, nourishment, other things, were produced in that household, which made it be a place of vibrant work and togetherness on a project that had a lot of kind of flesh to it. It was a very concrete, specific daily project that you could talk about. We're making a household here. We're making a life together. Just point of comparison. Consider that you know, more and more now, and this has been happening progressively, more and more activities that were once done by a family in the household have left the household. Well, the main one is, is work. And so when you, when you take the work of first man and then woman and you remove it from the household, then kind of what, what's left there? Well, maybe eating, um, certainly still sleeping, some recreation. But even more and more, even in those areas, like eating and recreation, the tendency, the ongoing tendency has been to remove those activities from the home in which we live. So the, the thing that I really would emphasize then about household is meant, and this is through all of history, and, and Aristotle would argue, and I think with very good reason, it's, it's of nature. Nature intended that we would live in this kind of community that had a real richness to it, a fullness of vibrant life that would be going on every day. Very good points there, Doctor John. And, and uh, you know, as you were as you were talking there, <clears throat> if I could, a little bit off script, but how would that be a little different than what the current world secular society would kind of view? Maybe a household. Yeah, well, I, 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 absolutely, because I think it, it really is. It's worth lingering over this. In fact, if you don't mind, get just one step before and and, and love the question. Some of the fits in with what I was just saying is many, many authors have pointed out, and this is something that really struck me uh, when I first was exposed to it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 53, and, you know, so I, I've seen a bit, but you know, nonetheless, my, my personal experience is you know, very limited to this very contemporary modern context. And even, you know, it's funny, watching television, many of us of my generation, my mindset, we're kind of taught to look back to the 50s or the 40s or the 30s and say, you know, that's when families, that's when household was intact. And the funny thing is that while it was much more intact than it is now, already I'd say the key shift had happened. And the key shift was especially the happened in the man. And that's why this is so important in my thinking about what man of the household is and how do we try to um, restore that and live that in the circumstances in which we are. The Industrial Revolution took the daily work of a man away from the home. And so what many of us think of as the traditional household of, you know, kind of the leave it to beaver model of, well, of course the man goes out to work. Well, well, yeah, there is some truth that men have always been, as it were, a little more mobile for good reason than the woman in the household and would at times, in various, depending on profession and circumstances, need to leave the home. At the same time, the basic model, the dominant model through history, transculturally, is that the main work that the man was doing was at home with his family. And so it's interesting that the progression was after man leaving the household, there's some sense, and a lot of times I think conservatives, quote, conservatives don't think of this, 
that you know the kind of woman's call to work outside the home also and go out there. You know, once men men had basically left the work of the home that always had been shared. Once the men left it to the women, this this was a very significant thing. Where with some reason, women say, "Well, it, what's going on here in this household anyway? Is this something I'm kind of doing alone here? Am I am I raising the children home by myself? Is this just my context?" And so, more and more, then women were looking to find something to do in the area that was more honored by our society. You get it's going out there, equality in the workplace. This is this is what we need because this is what society honors. Well, this is my long way of of answering your question because there's been a movement of kind of devaluing what goes on in the household in various and sundry ways. For generations, we undervalue the whole procreative aspect, which of course is central. But connected to that, and not to be forgotten, is we also undervalue many related things. We might say not just the reproductive, but the productive, because throughout history, that's the way household normally was left. It was fundamentally reproductive. In other words. The procreative, this is where children, it's a healthy place for children to be raised. But that very much connected to the other flesh and bones of human life, which very much had to do with a kind of thriving, productive context, where there's so much of life going on here in the home. So we're, we've, we've been undervaluing that, ignoring it progressively. So yes, my answer to your question is the kind of simple things of life, the daily context of, of making a life together with that small people that are the most important people in your life, this isn't the model we work by. It's yeah. been largely abandoned. So you already mentioned this a little bit as I answered that, 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 that tangent question, but I just want to be sure all your points are covered. What are the sure. basic activities of the household? Well, uh, and the nice thing is, here we've gotten, we've gotten a good we've gotten a good jump on it. I'd say here I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going back to philosophy because good philosophy, good philosophy gives us the principles through which to understand basic aspects of of, of life. And one a great division that Aristotle makes is between the two kinds two two fundamental human kinds of activity of work and leisure. And so this again helps us focus on. How much has left the home? I mean, traditionally, what, what, was the, what was the stuff of daily life? Well, a host of different kinds of work. If you just kind of picture, you know, for, for Americans, often we'll go back to maybe it's, is it reading Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, Little House on the Prairie, and, 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 and the others in that, se- in that series that can so beautifully capture uh, you know, times a, a, a difficult life, but where much work had to be expended just to kind of put things together, to, to be attending to the basic needs, you know, the, the, the shelter and the clothing and so forth. At the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it subsistence. We're not talking about, like, subsistence farming here where you're scraping by, it, it, even in thriving cultures. Look at most, most European cultures, the kind of peasant culture, peasant in the rich and positive sense of you know, what, what, what tends to go on in the whole household, various and sundry kinds of healthy work. 
that have that have a richness that uh, that are adorned by craft and and making things beautifully. You know the kind of tools you know t- cultivating the land, various and sundry crafts of making. You know whether it's carpentry, silversmithing, you know you know you know blacksmithing, all kinds of things that are very much connected to the daily needs of human life. It, these are traditionally some of the key things not to mention of course that you know the universal ones of if not producing food which of course often was being done in any case preparing it preserving it serving it and all the things that go with that which of course also is cleaning and decorating so so all kinds of rich work which again i you know i want to say george we we tend to we have we've looked down our nose on. We want to farm it out. We want to pay someone else to do it. I mean, the general implicit approach to these things is: Why would you do any of that mm-hmm. if you didn't have to? And 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 I and, and I want to suggest a, a different way of looking, rooted in an older wisdom, that now that these things have been taken away from us, we start to realize: You know what? Maybe those things were the natural gift of the natural context of where you make a life together with people. So we got work, let me just throw in that. And the other one is, is home is a place of leisure. Even if there's not as much time for leisure as there is for work, it's in here especially in a Christian context. I mean, leisure refers to rich activities, and frankly, this is the key aspect of kind of reimagining the household. This is what I really want to encourage people to do. It's a beautiful and fruitful thing. Let's reimagine the household. Let's reconceptualize it. The, 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 a freshness, a rootedness in the, in the gift of nature. There's, leisure is a much richer term than entertainment. By and large, what tends to go on in, in, in homes anymore? Well, people get home from the work that they've done or the studying that they've done other places. You know, grab a quick meal if they do. Uh, you know, what, what's kind of the dregs of what's left in houses now, in homes now? Normally it's turning on some type of, quote, entertainment. This is not leisure. Or in any case, it's certainly not the richer forms of leisure. This is a very different kind of thing than porch time, than families sitting together around the fire and reading or singing or telling stories, passing on the great stories of prior generations or, you know, family members who have gone before. I mean, the family prayer is a kind of leisure. There's, 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 there's various different simple, beautiful, profoundly human kinds of leisure. It's funny that even my experience, even in just starting to say those things, People start to get these images, and then, and we, and we naturally have this sense of, oh my gosh, like, where's where, where that gone? That what, what are we missing? There's something so natural, so simple, so real, and so missed in that these kind of richer forms of work and now richer forms of leisure are usually often not going on in our household unless we're getting super intentional about making them happen. Dr. John, let's keep on going to the main core of your talk here. What is your basic take on being man of the household? What does that mean? 
Well, the the kind of back principle for that is we in our basically have been in full flight from the gift of the natural distinction between man and woman. We're, we're, we're fleeing the gift. We're missing it. And so, in so many various and sundry ways, we are pretending as though the distinction between man and woman is not significant. We're pretending as though it's not natural. We're pretending as though it doesn't have real implications for daily life, especially for, well, lo and behold, this natural community of the household, that natural community where the family lives together in a rich daily context. And, and so it's, it, it's, I, I think people will appreciate this point that, it, that when Aristotle talks about the distinction between man and woman, he does it precisely by going to family and household. Because the distinction between man and woman is a natural gift that particularly, not exclusively, but particularly comes to light in the context of its natural meaning. In other words, the distinction between man and woman is especially designed by nature to be for the sake of how a family and household lives. Another way of putting that is, being a woman is ultimately about motherhood. There's various sets or kinds of motherhood, but being a woman is always about motherhood, and being a man is always about fatherhood. Well, the obvious place that we especially can discover by the light of natural reason, as well as through divine revelation, of, of the richness of motherhood and fatherhood is, of course, in the household. And so, no great surprise that our day and age is rejecting both at the same time. Kind of goes hand in hand together. We don't know how to live family and household as a daily community. We don't have a rich sense of what the difference is between man and woman. So I begin with the assertion using a key traditional term of complementarity. And once heard the term, it's really important that we have a sense of the meaning of complementarity. Men and women are naturally different. You can't be complementary if you're the same. So there's a difference between man and woman naturally, but it's difference with a reason. It's difference for the sake of being able to harmonize, being able to work together being able to work together on something that's larger, greater than either alone. And so there's something incredibly powerful for young men, young women, boys, girls, any man or woman in discovering that to be a man, to be a woman, is to discover the gift I have to play my specific role in serving something greater than myself. Again, this applies to people that aren't called to live in a household in the, no, in the normal sense, but let's just you know, focus on that because that's what most people are called to do, and it's where again, the gift and design of nature is most obvious. So the notion man of the household is, is kind of a call, first of all, to all men to recognize the gift of what it is to be a man. The gift is it, it, it's different, and it has a purpose. 
And if we want to think then more specifically about what that is, we have to have started where you and I started, George, today by talking about the household. Because, okay, now we have the sense of this is a place of daily human life where basic needs of human persons are meant, met, are met, pardon me, and essential to that is the raising of children mm-hmm. and having it be a context There's a healthy place for all persons involved to thrive. This connects back, by the way, see, I often say this as a philosopher, but the philosophy is always the basis for good theology. It's the basis for understanding domestic church. You want to talk about the household as domestic church, it has to have a natural structure and vibrancy, certain kinds of activities that are done there, if it's then going to be able to fulfill its supernatural vocation, as it were, of being the domestic church. So we go to the household. I want to particularly, as I say, we're reimagining it. We're reconceptualizing it so that we can renew it. We want to see it as a vibrant place. It is the natural context for us to discover who we are, to more fully become who we are. That means one thing for children. It means another thing for spouses and then parents. So what do I say to men? One thing that we discover here, and again, there's a lot of richness, and we just, just do this in basic outline. Again, the, the, the course, the point in the course at my website is to go through these principles in such a way to start with the very basic and then to kind of move towards being able to apply them more specifically. But we have to start with the basic. Man, man is naturally a crafter. All, all human persons are called to craft in some way, but there's something, there's something kind of uniquely powerful. You look at, little, look at little boys, you look at young men, you look at teenage boys. They, 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 they want to they do something. They want to make something. They want to they kind of take charge and be responsible. I, I like to use the word for crafting something. Well, there's all different ways that you can make something, craft something great. What we need to recognize is the household is the most natural context where the masculine orientation towards crafting or making something great comes to fruition. Because the most important thing naturally that you can make or craft is in human persons, is in crafting good relationships, is in literally crafting a context of human life People with specific, beautiful, natural relationships of, first of all, the spousal one, and then the parental one, and others that, that kind of flow out from that. So who's the man of the household? The man of the household is a man who recognized, I'm especially in my life called to craft a good human life, good human character, good relationships in myself, because I have to take responsibility for that, me and others. What's the context we do that in? The richness of the natural gift of the household. Final thing, George, that just kind of takes it to the next step yeah. is the other thing that the man recognizes in this is that he's called to take the lead in it. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get to the th- kind of thing that can be misunderstood and at times is, is when presented wrongly or more to the point when lived wrongly it can be very destructive and offensive but but the reality is i think we can see this in nature we can see this in divine revelation in other words in super nature 
in the supernatural, that in God's great design, men are called to take up, to step up and take what I call first responsibility. They have first responsibility, and this is seen in the context of the household. They need to that as a gift to their spouse, first of all, then to their children, that men see themselves as, I have first responsibility in this relationship, in this little household community, to say, my direction, my intention, my vocation is about crafting the good life here, and in that, I will go first. And I will make sure in every way I can that this will happen. We need to take a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Man of the Household with Dr. John Cutterback. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Man of the Household. One body, stewarding God's creation. With Dr. John Cutterback. One body. One body. George Toman conducts the interview. One body, stewarding God's creation. Again, talk, talking to Dr. John Cuddeback. Let's go ahead and move a little bit here, Dr. John, into this question. What about people who say that the old-fashioned view of the household here under underestimates or undervalues the role of woman or of the woman? Yeah. Well, I mean, this this is a very very serious matter, and I'd I'd, I'd begin by saying sometimes a, quote, old-fashioned view does underestimate the role of woman. Uh, you know, we've, we, we've got to get this right. For kind of people like me that consider ourselves conservative and, and very respectful of tradition, in looking back to tradition to find key principles and insights, uh, because we believe that the truth doesn't change and that that often, despite what many say today, that those who went before us actually had it often much more right than we realize. So we, we, we're looking back, and we're looking back with reverence, but that doesn't mean that we look back uncritically. It doesn't mean that we close our eyes to the fact, I'd like to put it this way, that you know, radical feminism, which I think is a very destructive thing, radical feminism doesn't come from nowhere. There are ways, and this is connects back to saying that men have first responsibility. Part of having first responsibility means when men fail in doing that rightly, this is going to be particularly problematic, burdensome, offensive. And so I want to say right up front that particularly the failure of men to understand well mm-hmm. and then execute well what their role is, and, and I'm using again particularly the word first responsibility, has a time, for instance, it's, I don't want, I, I, it's, it's something that's completely other. It's a complete mistake, the approach that then thinks that somehow the man is simply in charge in the sense of he makes all the decisions, 
he has the knowledge, and so he he's just going to kind of run things and tell his wife what to do. This is a miss, and it's a serious miss. And it, so some people, when they think of the old-fashioned views of woman and say, well, old-fashioned views you know, undervalue the role of woman, you know, that this this caricature of the old-fashioned view, or again, sometimes historically, that was what some people were thinking or how they were acting. That does underestimate it. It does miss it. And so particularly now, I think, if we're going to rediscover the truth, there's a, a particular challenge for someone like me in trying to articulate it, and also a challenge for all of us in trying to discern what it is and live it, is, is, to, is to get it with nuance. And I put it this way, man's having first responsibility certainly doesn't mean that, it, that man is going to be able to discern himself everything that needs to be done. He's been given by God the knowledge that he needs to then just kind of govern the household and, and give the rules to everybody, and now we're going to follow his insight. But rather, I'd say it more goes like this. Yes, he does take the lead. Yes, he has first responsibility in the sense that ultimately he will always take, make his own. Any judgment that we come to, I will take responsibility for it. And I'd love to serve this because I think one of the beautiful aspects of that, this is ultimately freeing to the wife. It frees her to pursue her genius. That, he, that, the, that the main decisions in the household are always mutual. The way I'd put it is this. This is what often the, the um, caricature misses. For a man to exercise his leadership, his appropriate authority in the household rightly, he abs- it is absolutely essential that he recognize that a woman has insights into various aspects of the household from which he must learn, and if he does not, then he will not be capable of exercising his role. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, nuanced relationship where, yes, the man is the initiator, the man has first responsibility, but that he has to nonetheless establish together with his wife the habits of a profound communication and learning from one another as they, move, as they deliberate together and move towards their judgment that by God's making this complementarity, a key aspect of the complementarity is both learning from one another, the key input of both, but then the man is the one who's responsible for the final decision. And we can see how that can be mistaken as, oh, well then, it's like the man is just the general in the army. He just makes the decisions. No, no, that's actually not it. He does have the ultimate responsibility, but in this complementary relationship between two persons are ultimately equal, he has to learn from her unique position. And it's funny, I think sometimes traditionally-minded women actually underestimate the importance of their kind of stepping up, speaking into uh, various situations, playing their role, along with their husband, as what John Chrysostom called the woman in the household, a second authority. It's a real authority, mm-hmm. a real place of having unique insight. So, so we have to give it this nuance. When some people say the old-fashioned view underestimates the role of woman, well, sometimes old-fashioned 
has underestimated. We need to make sure not to make the mistake or the caricature man's first responsibility. Give woman's place its appropriate fullness and, again, discover the gift of that fullness. I'll say this. When you think of, like, because I gave this analogy to someone before that when we think of like sports and this and this one individual is really big into football so i said look who usually gets the the play call in in football and and they would say yeah usually the quarterback you're right so the quarterback gets the play in from the coordinator head coach however that works out says the play whatever it is you know gun right slot 44 trap or something and then gets to a line of scrimmage and they execute the play now who has the primary responsibility to get the play in for the teammates well that's the the quarterback However, does that lessen the responsibility of anyone else on that field? No, because if you just, if you, with that quarterback, if you just say, all right, just do whatever you want to do because I'm the head authority and I run the place or whatever, the other team is going to totally wreck you. <laughs> You're going to lose a lot of games. There's a, de- a code, or not, excuse me, an interdependency between all of those players on the field. And there are certain roles and responsibilities that when they are respected, when they're valued, when they're cherished, when they're held accountable to all those, all those roles, responsibilities, they win championships. So the really the analogy here, again, just for a listening audience on a, on a very low level, because Dr. John's doing, you're doing a great job explaining um, the 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 depthness of it here. In the household, the man cherishing that primary responsibility to lead, to serve his wife, just like Christ serves the church, as what Ephesians you know tells us, serving his wife and then allowing her, and and really promoting her dignity by re- by respecting the the authority that is also given in her, and not playing one of those domination games to use the blunt word about it. When a household masters that, the household changes beautifully, because now there's this interdependent, beautiful relationship between man and woman. But when we see some of that stuff and go, well, you know, the man needs to be doing this, woman needs to be doing this, and unfortunately, as a church. We have gone into that trap or haven't corrected it, you know, soon enough. What happens is that we get this misinterpretation of what needs what it needs to be. And so, again, just wanted to quickly say there, I'm finding a lot of joy in the talk here because there's, you know, you're bringing out a lot of good points that, quite frankly, Dr. John, you know, we just don't talk enough about. Well, that's certainly, that, that's certainly my sense. That's certainly my sense, and that's, you know, the, the people that are taking this course have gotten incredible feedback. And it's at my website, which is life craft dot org life and a little dash craft dot org and of course I've chosen the name life craft because I, this is this is the fundamental um, a, a key and fundamental aspect of the human vocation for all of us especially as it's lived in the household we're crafting the most important thing to craft a good human life together and a man has a role in that and the woman has a role in that and I so actually have two distinct courses there one for men one for women man of the household woman of the household beautiful and complementary roles where I'm absolutely convinced the more that we look to see the reality of the gift we find it's better than we had realized it's always better than the caricatures it's better than our misunderstandings it is even if at times it's difficult at times we don't quite feel why you know why it's this way let me say that from 26 years of marriage that it, it, it doesn't always the natural role or in the division in the complementary doesn't always quote come naturally we have to work really hard at it, especially 
in praying together and by the grace of God. And George, you're, the, the, the football, the, a sports team analogy is very helpful in, in pointing to how different roles can work together where each is essential and you can, you can do something greater precisely by the different roles being respected. I think that's, that, that's absolutely key. I just want to follow that up with, with one, you know, that, as the great philosophers point out, analogies have a great point, and every now and then in, in analogy there'll be something that, as it were, falls short or doesn't fit. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to oh, throw yeah. out, I think, something that could be misinterpreted I know it's not how you meant it, but we misinterpreted about the quarterback analogy is on a football team, there isn't a role that is a good example directly for the wife. And in there and so the first response so that where there's a difference, I think, again, there's great sameness and, and, and richness to the analogy, but the uh, on a football team, the quarterback fundamentally is free to make decisions kind of simply himself. I mean, he, 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 he has a lot of experience, and he just kind of, you know, hey, here's what we're going to do, here's what we're going to do, and then you kind of have the rank and file of all the different others. There's no other particular position there that kind of by its nature is kind of right at the quarterback's side saying, kind of being involved in all of the key distinct decisions that the quarterback makes. And I think, I think that's just an important thing, again, to reemphasize that um, while, yep, a man like the quarterback has first responsibility, at the same time, unlike on the football team, by the design of nature, the place of woman there is to be precisely right at his side and his unique and irreplaceable partner in the deliberation, in the discerning, while then still he has first responsibility, for making the final judgment, ideally, what it's it's and this I think you know marriage you know, the experience of marriage shows that this is the case by the grace of God and by working together, it's almost always the case that that spouses come to an agreement. But here, I mean, this is and, and we can't shy away from looking at this is part of the beauty of the design. If at times there's not an agreement. There is a natural mechanism, a natural basis then for, okay, how is that going to be solved? Well, the man is going to have to step forward and take responsibility for making the ultimate decision. Though even there, I point out, where there's a disagreement between him and his wife, he might choose to go with his wife's judgment. But it's still him taking responsibility for it. He does have to take responsibility to say, this is now, we've disagreed, we've discussed this through, we've looked at this together. And now this this is what I judge that we do. And, and again, I think a good, strong woman who, together with her husband, is 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 finding her way into this this beautiful natural uh, complementarity, will find that as freeing, precisely and especially because, or to the extent that her husband excels at seeing her for who she is, and and valuing her unique and irreplaceable insights, this, this, this ends up being so empowering, fulfilling to both of them. So, in any case, again, we could, we could keep going on and on um, <laughs> about that. The point of the course is to, is to try to first 
give the universal principles, and then move through making specific suggestions of how to implement that. Yeah, no, no, that, that that's great, Doctor John. And again, folks, having a true philosopher on the line, you see the you see the 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 very careful careful use of words and everything. I appreciate that about the analogy because sometimes we we do you know the, the the misinterpretation there is very easy. So I do appreciate that. The other thing too, I Thank think, you. yeah, Doctor John, the um, the the element here of just you know again thinking of especially the woman being the heart the guy still leads he still acts but the fact that the heart is really manifested in in you know the intuition and in you know the love of the woman and if the heart stops pumping again the body dies you know so yep, <laughs> you know yep, so yep, so yep, there's there's absolutely. a there's a very unique yep. connection nonetheless there and you brought that out very very yep. wonderfully so Doctor John I, I just as for the heads up I know we got more stuff to talk we got about we got about eight, nine minutes, so I'm going to be sure I get out of the way here. Let's. I want to get into this question regarding, should the man see himself as a spiritual leader? We kind of hinted at that, and then give some insight into why, based on everything you've shared with us so far. Yeah, well, um, you know, this is, this is where the, the natural and the supernatural come together wonderfully. It, it's, I, this is why I love studying philosophy, and I think this is just a special need for philosophy today, Agreed. where we've lost, we've lost common sense, we've lost the simple, beautiful things um, that God intends for us. When, when we say it's natural, it doesn't mean it's not from God. It precisely is from God, and it's, it, it, it's part of the gift, the full gift that God gives us. There's the natural and there's the supernatural uh, you know, a, a, aspects of it. So that, that Aristotle was able to see, and other great philosophers able to see that, uh, though, honestly, Aristotle doesn't appreciate the role of the woman as much as he should. But one thing that he does bring out, again, not perfectly, is, is he does help us discern the complementarity, how man has to have first responsibility. Christianity then, and not to mention the Judaic tradition there, I mean, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see in divine revelation how this is a special gift of God, of, 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 and, and we start to use language of, of the man being the head and uh, you know how he, in certain ways, is Christ for his wife. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much rich theology there. Again, that the, the more that we look at it and we get and we get past the misinterpretations, it is such a gift to both. In how we you know, we have we have the great su- uh, kind of supernatural examples in Saint Joseph and the Blessed Mother. Nice reminder of here, Blessed Mother, the most holy of all of all human persons ever. Here she perfectly exemplifies living the vocation of woman under the authority of Saint Joseph, but nonetheless his equal at his side and how that how that plays itself out. So there's so many beautiful spiritual things here um, that, that that we can go to. But let's just say you know, something that we've lost is man in the household as saying, hey, the the prayer time, the spiritual aspects, because it's more than just it's more than just the prayer time. I'm a spiritual leader. I I need to see myself as unique and irreplaceable kind of first place as bringing God's Word into this house and taking God's Word as the first principle of ordering everything here. If I have first authority for how a household is ordered, 
that means I have to especially then see myself as a spiritual leader because the household should ultimately be ordered around spiritual truth values and goods. We need to be putting first service of the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, this is not just a good line. This is a great line that in many ways gives the fundamental approach of a man. I need to stand forth before my household and before the world and lead them in this way. As for me and all of these who are, who are my heart and soul, the, these people that have most closely been given to me, what do we do? We, we serve the Lord. Everything of the household is ordered towards keeping the commandments, towards worship, towards prayer, towards becoming saints. And, and that has to be the governing principle of all that I do in my, in my role as, first response, as having first responsibility. So spiritual leader isn't just something you kind of slap on. Oh, by the way, make sure you lead the rosary every now and then. No, in my looking at all the issues of the household, all those tricky issues, what kind of rules do we have here? What kind of technology are we going to let into, allow into our house? I, I have a whole segment in the Man of the Household course on thinking about technology. If, if we got to be ready to step up. So many men are just kind of giving up the ghost on that and just, well, you know, yeah, sure, I, you know, what can I do that my children have, you know, these, these, these devices, and thus, therefore all these various influences are coming into my home. You know what, if I'm the man in my household, I'm responsible to look at this situation and, and, and figure this out. It's hard. We've got so many other things going on. And so, you know, just circle back here, George. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, again, it's going to take being prayerful, very intentional. How are we going to discern, particularly if my job takes me away from the home much of the time? Now I've really got to get on top of my game. I've got to think very carefully about how I use every second that I'm not at that work that's out there. I've got to be, am I, am I going to go play golf in my free time? I'm not saying that, maybe there might not be a time to play golf, but you know in these trying times, there might not be time to go play golf. If I'm already spending a ton of time away from my family every day at work, I've got to get the face time, the presence in my home to be the spiritual leader, to take first responsibility, to be developing these relationships with each of them, if I'm blessed with children, with each and every one of my children individually. I mean, this is super serious, and you don't need me to say this, in this day and age where there are so many factors that are pulling the family apart, especially, again, if I'm blessed with children, that are trying to pull my children out of my household. I got to be at home pulling them back in, pulling them back in to the life-giving center of which going to give them direction in life. Most, most things that are outside the household here, are, are a lot of them are negative. None of them are as important as what's going on in the household. So I, I, do I understand that? Am I taking the lead? Well, again, in my Man of the Household course, this, this is the point. It's really to challenge men. We, gotta have, we have to have thought these principles through. 
and then we need to make some specific resolutions. That's that's the end game practically in the course. It's we need. I I make specific suggestions from which the men then choose. What what are you going to resolve to work on? Choose this or choose that or choose that. But we need to be. We the more men look at this, we recognize we need to do things differently than we have. Yes. We can do things better. The natural plan is astounding here. So let's figure out, by the grace of God, talking with our spouse about this, how am I going to step up and change what I'm doing? Dr. John, i got about two minutes left with you, so I'm going to get out of the way and let you uh, talk, if you could, briefly about the Woman of the Household course, and then give a shout-out for the website where the free courses are mm-hmm. at and a little bit Thanks. about your book. Well, 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 thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that would have been great to talk about is, is friendship. I love the theme of friendship. I have a book called True Friendship. It's just out from Ignatius Press, so it's easy to be found. It can also be found at my website where these courses are. Again, the, the website is life-craft.org. And friendship is going to be it's – it's important in those courses, too, because we need to know basic principles of friendship of how to work on our – marriage relationship, if we're blessed to be married, and men need to have strong friendships with other men. Women need to have strong friendships with other women. And, and, and this fits with the, this whole theme of going back to basic gifts that God has given us, put first things first, those simple, powerful things in life that God has designed for us that is, that is kind of the foundation and it's the context for serving Him and living out our Christian vocation, friendships, relationships, home life. So the woman, the woman of the household is, you know, it's, it's the other side of the beautiful coin. The two go together very nicely. They're both just format. They can be taken any time. There's just the, uh, the recorded uh, lectures of mine, as well as downloadable documents there where you can, questions for reflection. Questions are then issues for starting to make specific resolutions. So I, I really, husbands and wives that have done it, taken these courses simultaneously, have found incredible, incredible fruit in, in, in doing so. Again, it's all, it's, all, it's, it's all free there. I'm very, I'm very passionate about, I've been blessed to be exposed to these basic truths in our wisdom tradition. They're the truths that empower us. The main response of people being exposed to these things is, this is what I felt. This is what I intuited. This is kind of what I knew I wanted, but I couldn't express it. I didn't quite understand it. I didn't know how to articulate it. In this day and age, we need to be able to understand it. We need to be able to articulate it. Because in general, we're going against, we're going against the current. So other people aren't going to be articulating it and helping us think about it. We need to step up and do it ourselves. And that's, if I can be of any assistance to young men, young women, older men, older women, in thinking about how to discover the beauty of their vocation as men and women, don't have to be married. There's aspects of that for others that aren't married. I focus especially on marriage and the household. The household is something for all of us. All of us have a household of some sort, and it can be a place of joy and Christian flourishing. Dr. John, thank you so much. This has been really great. God bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, George. God bless Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. And thanks to all of you who support this radio network. If you are a listener who is not yet a part of the Divine Mercy Radio family, please check us out at dvmercy.com. We'd love to have you on board. 
You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear His voice, pardon not your hearts. One body. 